The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. I say that every week. I mean it, and it's true. So there. What's happening? Well, there's a buzz on the street. And surprisingly enough, it's from the actor and often seen pitch man for various products on TV, Ashton Kutcher. Who knew? Here's the quote from an article in Harper's Bazaar on Trends. He says, at their core, fashion and technology have more in common than one may think. They both teeter on the edge of the absurd in an effort to shepherd in the future. I never expected such a grand speech from Ashton Kutcher, but I think it's true. So that gives you a clue what we're talking about today, the startup mindset, technology on the fashion runway. So let's talk about fashion. Retail fashion shopping is supposed to be enjoyable. It's supposed to be wonderful for consumers, no matter how you're shopping on which channel. However, let's do a reality check. The malls are crowded. Well, that's good for them, but maybe not for us. Brick-and-mortar stores are often understaffed or poorly staffed. People don't care. They're handling customer service. They're busy. They're talking on the phone if they're young to their friends. They're not paying attention. You can't find any directions on where to find the merchandise you want in the store. Maybe there are long lines at the checkout counter. Not good. And the overall fashion market space is sucking valuable margin out of today's top brands. Hey, fashion needs to make money just like everybody else. So where can the retail industry turn? Well, we have an answer today. Of course, this is Startup Focus with Game Changers. Start looking to the startups whose innovative technology can help retailers and fashion companies grow global market leadership to the next level of prosperity. What does that mean? Bottom line, it means brand equity. It means brands keeping on moving to the next level. And I have a panel of three experts who are going to talk to us about this today. Can't wait to introduce them. First up, we're going to be speaking with Sanjeev Gupta, the president and CEO of a company called Ops Vida. I'll spell it O-P-S-V-E-D-A, all one word. And we'll be talking to him in just a moment. Joining us also is Kathy Hahn, the CEO and co-founder of a company called 42 Technologies. So that's 4-2, the number, and the word technologies. Very interesting. And we'll be asking both Sanjeev and Kathy in a few minutes to tell us briefly what their companies do. And rounding out the panel is a gentleman who was on with us last week, Dave Katona, who is with the SAP Startup Focus Program at SAP. So I'm pleased to welcome first up Sanjeev Gupta at Ops Vita. And Sanjeev has sent us a quote from... 
Donald J. Trump. It's Mr. Trump's first time on Game Changers Radio, only through his quote. Of course, he's the U.S. president-elect and a worldwide businessman who does have a line of fashion, I believe, under his own name, and his daughter, Ivanka Trump, who is very important in his business and was in his campaign and will be in his White House uh, efforts. Uh, She also has a fashion line. I think I bought a blouse by Ivanka. So here's the quote from Donald Trump. As long as you're going to be thinking anyway... Think big. Well, we all know that's how he feels. Sanjeev Gupta, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining. So talk to me about this quote. As long as you're going to be thinking anyway, think big. Sounds pretty obvious. Uh, How does that relate to our topic today about startups, technology, and fashion and retailers? Sanjeev? Well, considering what has happened over the last few weeks, uh, or rather just last week, let me first put everybody at ease. For the record, I voted for Hillary. But, you know, uh, <laughs> we are talking about business here. We're not asking. It's amazing. <laughs> didn't <laughs> expect that. I that. Otherwise, some didn't even, will come Didn't even them. see that coming. <laughs> go, go ahead. Okay. Uh, now that we got that out of the way. Trump, yeah, it's amazing how Mr. Trump fought the establishment, his own party, media, and quite literally everyone else to get into the highest office. I think uh, once the death settles down, there will be, this will be lessons in leadership in every business school for years to come. So the notion mm-hmm. of thinking big, right? So as long as you're going to be thinking, thinking anyway, think big. The notion of thinking big applies to all of us startups as well, right? Uh, it applies to startups more than, any, uh, than anyone else. We take on big companies. We take on established norms. Even at Opsveda, we are providing real-time intelligence ground up while the entire world is doing intelligence for, for executives down. We have decided that we need to provide intelligence ground up, uh, fundamentally trying to change how enterprise users work every day. So that's, that's, the, that, that's the thought process behind choosing this controversial court. Um, as long as you're going to be thinking big, uh, thinking anyway, think big. Thank you, Sanjeev. And was my opening uh, right on target here that retail fashion retailers who may be hitting a wall, and maybe it could be the wall, all the walls in their brick and mortar store from the way I described them, that they need to turn to startups like yours, like Kathy's, uh, to, to find that level of technology that will bring them out of, shall we say, the, the morass, the, 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 the clump of retailers who are not doing well and help them rise to the occasion and become trusted brands and valued brands in the global economy. Any thoughts on that? Yes, absolutely. So I will be, uh, hopefully we will get a chance to talk about this. There are some brands who are turning 12, 24 seasons in a year. Mm-hmm. But most brands, we at Opsida are focused, we, we speak to a lot of apparel, footwear, retail companies, and we find that, that 8 out of 10 brands out there, the, the fantastic brands that we all buy and shop and wear, um, they are turning no more than three or four seasons. Their cycles are 16 months, 20 months long. I think uh, in order to compete, these companies will have to think big. Otherwise, they won't be around in a few years from now. So, so uh, that absolutely this thought process applies to the, to the retailers that we are going to be talking about today. Right, and I, I'm sure everybody on this panel and, and uh, many of our listeners have heard that Macy's, one of the venerable institutions of retailing, is starting to sell off stores. And what's the major competition that is putting them not in the driver's seat anymore, putting them in the back seat and maybe even not in the, not in the ongoing vehicle at all? Amazon. 
people want to buy online says something about brick and mortar and big stores. So I digress. Thank you, Sanjeev. Pleasure to have you on the show. And now let's turn to our second panelist, Kathy Hahn, CEO and co-founder of 42 Technologies. And Kathy has pulled out a quote, five simple words, but very important from Jack Welsh. John Francis Jack Welsh Jr. is a retired American business executive, author, and chemical engineer. He was the chairman and CEO of General Electric between 1981 and 2001. And during his tenure, GE's value rose 4,000%. I think Jack Welsh knew what he was doing. Here's the quote, five simple words that pack a punch. Change before you have to. Great words. Kathy Hahn, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much, Bonnie, for having us. And, um, yeah, really excited to be here. So as Bonnie mentioned, we run 4D Technology, which is a um, big data analytics platform. And I think particularly for us looking at data and looking at the changes in retail, the reason I picked this quote is because um, it's just so important right now for retailers to realize that it's not about keeping up with the times. It's about staying ahead and it's about kind of picking up different um, technologies and different ways of thinking before someone like an Amazon is able to come in and take a lot of market share. Um, so if there's one thing I think that we've learned from retail this year, it's that nobody is safe. And so no one can really kind of avoid, the, including the Macy's, the Walmarts of the world. And um, yeah, so everybody, I think, needs to needs to start looking at different options of uh, how they can improve and how they can adapt to the environment. Thank you, Kathy. Very interesting. Uh, I'm going to circle back after we talk to Dave Katona. I'll circle back to Sanjeev and then you and find out what you actually do, what your company's all about, and why you founded it. So on that note, I'm going to welcome Dave Katona, SAP Startup Focus. And Dave has sent us a quote from Steve Jobs, who is becoming, I think, uh, Dave, Steve Jobs is now in contention with Yogi Berra for the most frequently quoted on Game Changers Radio. Used to be Mark Twain. Uh, used to be uh, Drucker. Drucker was very very well quoted often, but now it's Steve Jobs. And here's the quote. Of course, Steve Jobs lived from 1955 to 2011, an American information technology entrepreneur, inventor, co-founder, chair, and chief executive officer of Apple, CEO and majority shareholder of Pixar Animation Studios, member of the Walt Disney Company's board of directors following its acquisition of Pixar, founder, chair, and CEO of Next Incorporated, and widely recognized as a pioneer of the microcomputer revolution of the 1970s, along with Apple co-founder and former Dancing with the Stars contestant because I saw him, Steve Wozniak, and I'm sure that Kathy wasn't even born then back in the day when Steve Jobs and Wozniak were busy pioneering the microcomputer, all those beautiful Apple things that we love and cherish. And I'm not even sure that Sanjeev was around, but it's a pretty good bet that Dave Katona was. So Dave sent me the following quote, Sometimes life's going to hit you in the head with a brick. Don't lose faith. I'm convinced that the only thing that kept me going was that I loved what I did. I want to say amen. Dave Katona, welcome back. How are you today? Doing fantastic, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. Thank you, and love the quote. So talk to me. We're talking retail, fashion, startups, technology, fashion on the runway, surviving the brick and mortar, not doing so well. So what would Steve Jobs say about all this, and how do you interpret what he would say? Yeah, absolutely, and and this actually comes from his uh, uh, commencement address back in 2005, and uh, I, I thought it was appropriate for today's show uh, when we talk about uh, the challenges of uh, uh, brick and mortar uh, retailers 
versus, uh, uh, you know, you, you talk about the Amazon model and uh, transformation that a lot of these brick-and-mortar retailers are going through. And uh, <laughs> Sanjeev's reference to a recent election, uh, I, I'm, I'm using the line, don't lose faith. Uh, when we're hitting the head with a brick. But at the end of the day, <laughs> this, re- this really gets down to uh, uh, a lot of retailers are, are challenged today. Um, and, you know, certainly, uh, you know, as uh, uh, having two startups uh, that uh, have, you know, been in the, uh, the face of adversity um, that, you know, Never lose faith, first of all, as a startup. But at the end of the day, in business in general, um, things come out of nowhere and hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it many times, both uh, at the startups that we've, we, we've all worked at and you know, currently with, with Sanjeev and Kathy that, that they're working at, but also you know, in, in retail and fashion business, it's a very tough, challenging world where things come out of nowhere and can, can turn... Um, businesses upside down. And we'll talk more about this, certainly of uh, some of the challenges that you just mentioned uh, that Macy's is in uh, compared to other uh, of their direct competitors as well as challenges with the Amazon model and really how some of uh, the technologies that are out there uh, can help some of these traditional brick-and-mortar retailers as well as some of these brands um, really live up to the challenge uh, that they're facing with competition from what I call new business models mm-hmm. and new, what I call new consumer buying models. That's the important piece as well. It's not yeah, just it's, about, go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, it's, it's, it, it's no longer about the new business models and competitors with uh, the Amazon model. It's also about the consumer buying models that they're, that they're having to face as well. Yeah, and I'm thinking of celebrities and and how often, and Kathy, I'm sure, can speak to this and perhaps Sanjeev as well, how often do we see a newcomer on the music scene, the next thing you know, he or she or they have their own brand of, is it perfume, is it leggings, is it sportswear, is it uh, sunglasses, is it... coats is it swimming suits and and the brand is so quickly established because they have a following and their followers look up to them and want to be like them and emulate them and dress like them and all of a sudden where is the space in retail brick and mortar for these new brands maybe it is maybe it isn't and then god invented re- uh, online retail and we have amazon and we have web only consumers who want to buy online because they trust the sizing, they trust the brand. Kathy, can you speak to this briefly, the celebrity entrance into retail fashion? Do we have Kathy? Yes, yes. In terms of the um, the celebrity scene, I think I, I would have completely agree. There's a ton of brands like Reese Witherspoon, just a brand, uh, Kylie Dinner, which just opened up a new cosmetics brand that's been super, super popular, and they're actually, you know, they started out exactly, like you said, online, and they went through some of the wholesale channels, and then with stores as well, she's opening up a new concept store, and I think it's mm-hmm. just a completely different way to reach people, because they have so many followers, you know, like high double-digit millions, like 80 million followers or whatnot, um, who are really loyal advocates for not only the product, but for their brand as well. And it's just kind of a lifestyle that they want to be able to emulate. And so to have that reach and to have that brand and be able to kind of access and afford that celebrity level lifestyle 
for, you know, 50 or $100. I think people really, really want that. And you're absolutely right in saying in Thank- the rise of celebrity friends. Thank you, Kathy. You're dropping off a little bit, but we got about 99% of what you said and very well put. Sanjeev, do you want to weigh in on this briefly? Your thoughts on these new brands popping up with gazillion followers. What store wouldn't kill to have the kind of following that these new celebrities have? Sanjeev? Well, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think- um, yeah. there are lots of, uh, of opportunities, but I do, rather than quote on, on about the celebrity followers, I do want to go back to what Dave said. It, it, it dawned on me, right, many of us uh, in the startup world uh, focused on retail, we talk about transformation, we, 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 we are talking about how there is significant shift happening in the industry, right? Uh, only one of them being the fact that, that uh, a lot of consumers are moving into the, into the online, uh, etc. Um, we have, it, it, it just dawned on me that at least two of my customers, and I'm not going to name them, mm-hmm. have are kind of turnarounds. One, one customer uh, had to be spun off. They became a much smaller um, entity, an independent entity, and the first thing they did, right, we had been chasing them for a long time. First thing they did, they said, can we leverage your solution in order to, in order to do... Um, um, real time and a few other things another customer recently went into into bankruptcy turned mm. around now they are coming back business is coming back in a in a big manner much smaller company but much more success much more innovation on the product innovation on on the multiple channels that they are, uh, are selling their products on so it's definitely especially when it comes to brands you have to reinvigorate your followers and if you can do that and if you can uh, innovate your business and your uh, then your execution there is turnaround and that happens all the more i'm sure if we if we search for turnaround stories uh, i believe the brand owners and their turnaround would come at the top of the list and i'm sure there are mm-hmm. many such stories yeah, there are. And I'm also thinking, well, I'm, I'm speaking with the three of you, I'm thinking of Shark Tank and all of the fashion, well, not yet gurus, the fashion, I'll say wannabes, but I don't mean that in an unkind way, who come on Shark Tank with whatever it is they want to sell. And I've created this line and that line and the, and the sharks are saying, it's a hobby. Go home. Enjoy yourself. You made a million. What do you need us for? What do you want to be in big business for? And they're saying, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do their business. But I digress again. So I tell you what, Sanjeev, we want to get to the up close and personal part of the show called What's in Your Cup Today. But before I ask you where you're calling from and what you're drinking to energize you, tell us, give us the 60 or, or 90 second version of Elevator Pitch. What is Ops Vita? How do you pronounce it? Is it Ops Vita or Veda? What do you do? So Ops Veda um, is Ops stands for operations and Veda stands for intelligence. So Ops Veda is a software company focused on providing operational intelligence and real-time analytics uh, to enterprise customers. We focus on large enterprises. I used to work. I have worked around uh, you know large enterprises for many many years before I started this company. In fact, I, that I used to work at SAP uh, about mm-hmm. two years ago when I left to start this company. I our remember. view, uh, our realization was the entire world seemed to be focused, right? We used to deploy big systems and we were focused on, on giving visibility to management and to analysts. We said the only way to, to change outcomes of business is to give information and intelligence in real time in the hands of the, of the end user, the employees who actually make hundreds of decisions every day. So we are focused on, on, elab- on enabling the enterprise user 
with live information so that they can change the outcomes of transactions, they can change how they serve their customers, they can change how they replenish their supply chain and so on. Um, so that's essentially what Offsweta is about. We have uh, many large customers and, uh, and it's exciting. I, I love to talk turnaround, I love to talk transformation and therefore this, uh, this radio show is, uh, of course, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And you were with another company a few years ago. Were you, were you on the show? I think I remember you were with somebody else, or were you with SAP at that time? Um, yes, that was about three years ago. Actually, we had a different name. So about, uh, about three years ago, we changed our company name, um, and, uh, and we called ourselves Opsweda. We, we renamed the company after the product that we brought to market. So we are totally focused on enterprise operations and uh, totally focused on real-time operational intelligence. And that's why we said, if that's what we do, why don't we call our company that? So I, I think that's right. Talk about branding, and, and that's right. But branding has to reflect what you do so people identify what, what it says or what it looks like with, with what you're selling them. Sanji, where are you right now, and what are you drinking right this second, or what are you planning to drink after the show? Oh, that's interesting. So I'm calling in from Northern California, the heart of Silicon Valley, Sunnyvale. Um, what I have is a Keurig cup with some funky Starbucks holiday blend um, in it. We, we recently had the opportunity to learn about Keurig business. Keurig, uh, you know, these are the dispensers where you can get your cup and then you can brew whatever brand and whatever, mm-hmm. whatever type of coffee you want to have. Um, so very popular, literally every office space that I go to, there is some version of Keurig, every small office space for sure, and then uh, there are also larger company offices. So there is some version of Keurig. As we have uh, begun to explore or do some work with this company, we realize that, uh, that uh, all of these cups, the variety of cups is being made by the same company, Keurig, right? So we drink Starbucks coffee, it's Keurig. We drink Pete's coffee, it's Keurig. So, so m- most of these cups being made by the, by the primary owner. Um, it's just amazing how much innovation um, is there, and uh, uh, it just underscores the thought process. Business innovations comes in all shapes and sizes, and that's what I see in Keurig. It's just yet another normal coffee, but it's Keurig coffee and a holiday Starbucks blend. Thank you very much. Cheers. And now let's turn to Kathy Hahn at 42 Technologies. Kathy, first please tell us, what does your company do? When did you found it? Just give us the, the 90-second pitch and then tell us where you are. I know you're very busy today and we're very appreciative of your time, where you are and what you're drinking right now or what you're going to drink later that energizes you. Yeah, so 42 is a big data analytics company specifically made for retailers. We're a vertical solution because we believe in doing something really, really well. And so we saw this big challenge in retail where data was stored in a ton of different places. So if you ask the question, like, how many blue sweaters did I sell last season? It's a tough question to answer because you have your warehouse, you have your e-commerce, you have your wholesale, and data is just stored in, you know, 20, 30 different places. So 42 is essentially a centralized data warehouse that would connect all of that data together. We would clean it, and then we would analyze it for our customers. Um, we're lucky to have customers across the U.S. and in Europe as well, and uh, working on expanding into Asia this year. And then, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. So I just landed off of a red eye uh, from Seattle, and I'm now in New York. 
And um, hmm. it's rainy in Seattle, and it's rainy in New York. Rainy in New York, well. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one of my favorite drinks is uh, Moroccan mint tea. And I find it's great mm. for days like this, or it's great for summers as well, because it's fairly light. And the reason that I love that tea is because I think Morocco is one of my favorite places that I've ever visited. If you ever get the chance, definitely go. And I think the people are just so hospitable there. Everyone's super friendly. And it's essentially this blend of dry teas, and then they put fresh mint into it and some honey. And it's just it's one of the best things ever, I think, because it brings back really great memories of people who obviously come from a very different culture, but are just so, so open to sharing, you know, kind of what they have and um, are very open to talking about their culture and whatnot. And so that was really one of my favorite uh, beverages. And, you know, it's still something that I really enjoy cold or not, and it happens to be cold today in New York. <laughs> yes, it is cold. I'm in New York, Kathy. I'm on Long Island, and what I'm going to do right now is, without getting wet, I'm going to reach out toward the window, not outside the window of my, my office here, my radio studio, and I'm going to wave to you. So if you see somebody with curly red hair and a hand with a yes. left <laughs> left hand with a Fitbit Alta waving out the window sort of at you, that's me. So, Kathy, w- welcome to New York. I'm sorry we couldn't give you better weather. It's really Thank brutal you. out there. Coming down like, uh, they used to say cats and dogs, we have to think of a more designer something to say rather than raining like cats and dogs. <laughs> Kathy, welcome and thank you again. Thank and now, you. Dave Katona, you know the drill. Where are you and what are you drinking, Dave? I am in Palo Alto and drinking a small uh, cappuccino out of my lovely uh, automated cappuccino machine in the office. Nice, so nice, it's a little nice. Cold, it's a little cold today, so uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to warm up with. There you go. Thank you very much, Dave. And Dave, sure. how long have you worked with Sanjeev and Kathy? Because you're with the SAP Startup Focus Program. Any any thoughts on how they're doing? Just a quick uh, comment. I know we didn't prepare you for this, but any thoughts on what they're contributing to fashion and retail from the vantage point of view at the Startup Focus Program? Yeah, I, well, I've been working with uh, both uh, Kathy and Sanjeev since I uh, joined Startup Focus. I've known Sanjeev for quite a few years, so I, I know his extensive background in uh, supply chain and operations management. Um, you know, I think uh, both uh, Kathy and Sanjeev have solutions uh, from a startup perspective and just from a, a business value perspective that can really help transform uh, folks in, in uh, fashion and uh, retail in such a way that there are a couple of unique values about them that they have in common. One is to leverage uh, massive amounts of information and big data and put it in the hands of the end users in an easy-to-use consumable manner so they can make rapid decisions quickly and easily, and they don't have to be what I call a data scientist or Mm -hmm. some data-gathering expert. So in Kathy's case, you can get answers literally at the store, in the store, by someone that works in the store, without having to be a data-gathering expert and be able to to do that analysis. In Sanjeev's uh, uh, case, you're looking across supply chain and looking at very complex data-gathering and putting it in an operations person's hands, again, without having to be a data expert. And both of them really drive efficiencies of either retail or fashion companies in such a way um, and give a huge return on investment very, very quickly. They're both, you know, what I call innovators in that way that I, I think 
bring tremendous value to their to their customers, and that's why we we work with them, and that's why Startup Focus is so excited about them. Thank you, Dave. I knew you'd have something wonderful to say, and I appreciate that. And by the way, for Sanjeev and Kathy, Dave already knows the answer. They don't allow me to have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. So all I'm allowed to have is, is cool, clear water. It's actually quite cold. Come out of a Brita filter, and I've got an orange straw in honor of the beautiful changing leaves here in New York. Kathy, I hope you get an opportunity to see some of the beautiful trees. I don't know what's in New York right now, but here on Long Island, the trees are going from gold to green, to to oranges, to reds. I have a magnificent spreading large maple tree across the street from my office, and it's just glorious in, in the red hues. So it's that time of year, so my orange straw is celebrating fall in New York. So guess what? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with a lot more from Sanjeev Gupta, Kathy Hahn, and Dave Katona. Our topic today, of course, is the startup mindset, but we're focusing on technology on the fashion runway. What is the fate? What is the future of retailers and fashion who will be there for you to buy from them and what will they offer you and how is technology going to help them conquer the global marketplace what will be around in five years we'll talk a little future a little present and i can't wait to get to the end of the show when we do our predictions we can't wait to hear what sanjeev and kathy and dave will say is coming down the pike in fashion in years to come because we're almost at the end of the year shout out to christina sosa who again put together a spectacular panel and a topic and shout out as well to Manju Banzal at SAP for sponsoring this series. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael out. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit W www.sap.com With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. And we're back talking about the startup mindset and technology on the fashion runway with Sanjeev Gupta at Ops Vita, Ops Veda, Kathy Hahn at 42 Technologies, and Dave Katona at SAP Startup Focus. Before we start the roundtable, Kathy, would you just tell me the significance of the number 42? I know it means something. 
Yeah, so 42 is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. It's a reference from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and we thought that starting a data company would be good to have the answers to all the different questions that people had. Thank you, and I'm sure you are answering those questions. I'm going to tweet that when I get a chance. Very important. So, time for the roundtable. We're looking at the notes that Sanjeev Gupta sent me before the show. And here's an interesting statement, rather provocative, from Sanjeev. I'll read it, and then Sanjeev will expand it. Then we'll invite Kathy and then Dave to chime in. So Sanjeev says, much effort has been applied to better understanding the fashion consumer, but much too little effort to enhance the supply chain that serves the fashion consumer. Provocative. Tell us more, Sanjeev. So um, I do, since given our focus on fashion companies and retailers, I do spend a lot of time, of course, in the mall, not really shopping, but observing. Um, there is, there is uh, so much efficiency and so much precision in how we, are, how we are attracting consumers. Now, predicting what consumers need and want, this needs to be augmented. I mean, as consumers, we think it is so easy, the retailer, the store has exactly what I want. What happens to, to that product if a specific product is not picked up at the volumes that we expected it to pick up? So it, uh, this, this prediction from a marketing perspective geared towards the consumer needs to be augmented in a cost-effective manner to meet the demand that, that we are eventually seeing to be able to see where that demand is coming, which consumers are buying, to flex the supply chain to make sure that we only make the quantity that is eventually going to sell. And if we have a, a higher uptake in sales, we, we replenish more uh, in a timely manner. And if something is not selling, we stop the future uh, the production. What we have seen in our working with various companies, we realize that, that on one hand, the, the marketing has become extremely efficient, but on the other hand, the supply chain, the chief operating officer's execution hasn't necessarily kept up with time. So five years ago, we had all heard that the CMOs uh, were, uh, their IT budget had begun to be higher than the CIO. I think this was uh, very specifically talked about uh, many, many times at many, many forums. What, what we are personally, uh, what our execution is seeing that uh, uh, we are now in a realm where the chief operating officer's IT budget is beginning to challenge the CIO's IT budget. The CIOs are that are taking care of that of keeping lights on, while the chief operating officers are taking on the mantle of fixing the supply chain so that they can play hand in hand with the marketing team. Thank you very much, Kathy Hahn. Love to get your thoughts on this topic, please. Supply chain. What do you see? Yeah, I would definitely agree with Sanjeev on this one, and we've seen the exact same because it's very. I think. There's a lot more exposure for investing in front-end technologies that would reach the consumer on an Instagram or have something that's marketing-related as opposed to investing in back-end, which, you know, even if you spend a lot on the platform, not a lot of people will get to see it. And I think a lot more recently, brands have been feeling the pressure to keep up um, with the moving trends and with the evolving landscape. And so... That's why I think there's more of a pressure to invest in the front end. So I would agree. I think there's a little bit of an underinvestment going on here. And the way I think about it is kind of like when we go to our lawyer's offices, if we ever go for a meeting, it's always on the conference floors and it looks very shiny. It has a nice view. But if we're ever going to visit, you know, kind of the legal offices themselves, it's a lot more, you know, chaotic and whatnot. And the, the back end 
um, is just a lot more hidden from public view. So I mm-hmm. think that's why it hasn't gotten as much investment. But it's critically important because that's what drives the business. That's what drives ultimately whether they're stock on shelf. And one of the worst mm-hmm. things that you can have as a business is out of stock when somebody wants to buy something and doesn't have it there. So I think that, you know, more of those dollars should be shifted in terms of the planning and the allocation and looking at, you know, how do we actually provide consumers not only with a way to discover us, but with a way to actually purchase the product at the end of the day. That's what it all comes down to. That's where you get to the bottom line. Thank you, Kathy. Dave Katona, thoughts, please. Yeah, it, it, it really comes down to, uh, you know, a, a lot of that focus on that, that customer experience, the digital experience, and all, all, all the cool front-end stuff is great. But if you don't have the product available, the right product at the right time in the right location, either online or in that brick-and-mortar store, you're going to lose that sale and lose the revenue. And uh, Sanjeev is dead on with the need for that supply chain in order to ensure that the right product is in the right place at the right time. And I, I've, I've seen it many times where you've got a spike in demand and then it is, it is nearly impossible to find that, uh, that product and you, you end up losing revenue over it. And so with these, and we were talking earlier about you know, uh, whether it's celebrities or fashion trends that are driving demands on new products, you've got to be able to control that supply chain. And if you don't, you, you lose in the end. And so there's got to be a balance there. You've got to have that back-end operations to run as smoothly as possible in order to meet the demand. Thank you, Dave. I have a question for the panel. I just run through this around before we pick a topic from Kathy's list. Question is, I mentioned celebrity brands coming literally out of the woodwork or out of the, the, the cyberspace where a celebrity is so popular. I don't know who approaches, let's say, a Taylor Swift or a Nick Jonas, or maybe I'm dated by even using their names. I don't know. And says, hey, kid, you need a perfume line. Hey, you need a line of uh, workout clothes. Hey, hey, you need a line of hiking boots. And they say, oh, sure, we have to prove it. We have to love it. How do those supply chains get up and running so quickly if this person is simply giving their licensing, their name, their face, their music, whatever it is, to the brand? Is there a secret going on behind the scenes that these new brands can do it all quickly? Everything's in place. It's almost like plug and play, or is it? Sanjeev, any thoughts on these new brands that pop up? How do they do it well and the older brands that have been around forever are still having trouble? Oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic because they do it better because because they own the brand and then they 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 hire the manufacturers and the and the logistics providers and they come up with with relationships with the retailers so so they are owning lower cost and they are much more agile the the bigger brands they have a, a 16 month cycle they have lots of people who are planning and, uh, and and then when you have that significant cost the batch sizes are bigger and so on so so uh, the newcomer does not have to carry the legacy and the inefficiency of a supply chain. The newcomer is essentially contracting with firms and folks to, to, to build it, build in smaller batches, test it. The newcomer is able to test this. So earlier, mm-hmm. as Dave mentioned and Kathy mentioned as well, yes, the supply chain is not just about making sure that the shelf is always full, that the shelf is never depleted. I think there is... It's, 
a slightly darker side of the supply chain. Most of these companies, and and without taking names, there are some really big brand names that just uh, earlier this year took some took four hundred million dollars worth of inventory write off. So. So making sure that the shelf is always full is great, but making sure that you are not left with significant amount of inventory. If I am left with 50% of the inventory that I sold, we all see, right, Thanksgiving is coming, we will have significant uh, um, sales as well. This is when the gross margins really go away, right? All the margins in the sale, everyone is, is in business, which means they need to make profitable sales. The first batch sells profitably, the second batch sells a little bit less profit, and eventually the last batch wipes out all the profit. So, mm-hmm. so the, the burden, the, uh, the new ones, they don't have the burden of a bulky supply chain. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, the, the, going back to the earlier question, the supply chain is much more murkier. It's beyond the store what happens in the DC and what happens in the manufacturing floor and how much commitments are made to the manufacturing partner in order to replenish the supply chain. Thank you. Kathy, your thoughts on this quickly? Anything you want to add about why the newcomers seem to be able to do it so well? Is it that new agility, the loyalty of the suppliers and the supply chain to that exciting new brand? Where is it coming from? I think it's really the established infrastructure. So, for example, there's companies like Authentic Brands Group that will just take a cut of the licensing fee from the celebrity. And basically all you have to provide is your brand or a lot of the kind of the new um, supply chain, the people that get into it are built on top of existing infrastructure and tapped into a much larger company. And so they don't actually do any of this on their own. And that's why it gets up and running so quickly. Mm, interesting. Thank you. Dave Katona, thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, I, 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 I believe, and, and Kathy really struck upon it, that there are specialty, essentially, outsourcers that, that have this capability, depending on what products you're uh, bringing to market that, you know, and if it's everything from a perfume, you know, fragrance, um, you know, all the way up uh, to, you know, clothing lines that you can literally hand over the style and the brand and they will take care of everything else, um, including, it, you know, getting it to the, uh, to the store shelf and simply, you know, to take the percentage off the top. And so you've got the ability to literally rush from that design and brand uh, to delivery. And uh, I've seen this, you know, uh, with some of these celebrity brands that have taken off, and that's that's where you get the efficiencies. And I think to Sanji's point, you've got these legacy brands, and you've got these older established brands that still have that legacy infrastructure where they've tried and still do a lot of this themselves. So they carry a lot more overhead. And with that legacy overhead, there are a lot of inefficiencies already built in over you know, the years that they've been building out, and they're not as efficient. Thank you, Dave. All, all good points. Thank you to the panel for indulging my question. Took us a little off course, but I, I thought it was an important one to answer. Kathy Hahn, I'm looking at your notes here, and I want to combine two statements from the notes you sent me and see what we can do with it. First of all, you say um, retailers and brands must renew their assumptions about consumer behavior, such as how often people open private-labeled apps and coupons in a store. And then you also say online retail is growing, 
but is not sustainable in the long run without a customer loyalty strategy. So I'm thinking, Kathy, that consumer behavior, what consumers want, what they're going to open or not, and customer loyalty strategy go hand in hand. Tell me if tell me if I'm right or wrong, but why don't you talk to both of those together, and then we'll bring in Dave and Sanjeev. Go ahead, Kathy. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So to the first part of the statement, I think it's looking at ourselves as consumers. So when you're going out as a brand or as a retailer, you often think, oh, if I supply these coupons that are local, someone's going to go into the store and then open up their app and they'll check out these categories and whatnot. In reality, think about yourself as a consumer and how often you've done that. I think that's one of the reasons that beacons and you know QR codes didn't really take off because conceptually it's amazing for the brand you can you know track where the coupons are coming from you can track where in the stores in terms of heat mapping that you know customers are visiting but in reality i think there's just too much friction from an experience standpoint for people to to do that and we've seen that you know we've seen many of these strategies being implemented where people will put a lot of spend behind it and then have it not work out i think it's incredibly important to consider not only the objective that your campaign whether it's merchandising or you know kind of promotions or whatnot that's trying to achieve and balancing that with what does the actual experience look like and will people actually do this if i put it out there so that's to the first piece um, to the second part, I think, you know, especially because we work with a lot of multi-channel retailers, what we've been able to pick up is that online is fine, but for an online company to hit $100 million in sales is quite significant. And in fact, you know, a lot of the new brands that have are up and coming or whatnot, by the time they hit that mark, it's very impressive. It's touted as something that's, you know, a huge accomplishment. And when you look at a regular brand, even something like a Chico, who does about $2.6 billion in sales a year, in order for you to build a large, long-lasting brand, I think it has to be a multi-channel strategy. And this comes at a time where I think Nasty Gal just filed for bankruptcy last week. And, you know, they were one of the huge success stories in e-commerce and something, you know, that kind of rose very, very quickly. But brand loyalty cannot be built by online alone. You have to have something where people feel more of a connection to it in order for them to return to you over and over again to buy a product that really these days is getting less and less differentiated. And so I think online as a channel has a ton of potential, but I think going into the future, it still will not be the only channel. and It's not going to take over everything we do because there has to be that social, you know, kind of buying experience to drive long-term growth. Thank you, Kathy. I just looked this up. I had no idea what Nasty Girl was. I know in the era yeah. that Dave, Dave and I come from, we would say, what, a brand? Dave, am I wrong in that? What? You're wearing Nasty Girl? How could you? Anyway, trendy clothing retailer, Nasty Gal, filed for bankruptcy in California on Wednesday in a move to restructure and streamline the business. Chief Executive Sherry or Cherie Watterson said the company needed to address what she called immediate liquidity issues and to correct high occupancy costs at some of its locations, according to the LA Times. We expect to maintain our high level of customer service and emerge stronger and even better able to deliver the product and experience our customers expect and that we take pride in bringing to market. So there you go. And uh, the, the uh, founder, Sophia Amoruso, resigned as chief executive chairwoman, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Anyway, that was a, a, a quick, fast success story. And it doesn't mean they're going down the tubes, does it, Kathy? It means they're going to rethink it, restructure? It just, it just means they're not the only one that's hit this tough spot. I think a lot of e-commerce companies, Bonobos and um, Trunk Club and whatnot, have all hit a similar spot. Same with Birchbox. 
So a lot of the new e-commerce companies do really well at the beginning, but it goes to show that even with an experienced CEO like Nasty Gals, who is a I think an experienced exec from Lululemon, you really do need a larger presence in the real world to be able to sustainably grow a retail business. Interesting. Just a little more background here. Sophia Amoruso, who I said resigned as the company's chief executive chairwoman, uh, started Nasty Gale as a vintage clothing store on eBay when she was only 22 years old. She grew it into a $100 million online business and opened two L.A. area stores, but she had to do layoffs in 2015 and had trouble competing with national retailers like Forever 21 that have more resources to bring new fashions to market quickly. Very interesting, and they had a lot of, ooh, okay, a lot of loss suits on how they treated their people. We won't go into that. <laughs> That's a whole different show. Absolutely. Thank you, Kathy. Very interesting. Dave Katona, thoughts on uh, the, the wealth of topics that Kathy just introduced to us? Yeah, so this gets down, and in, in one of the fascinating stories re- referring to Kathy's point earlier, um, I've uh, for the last, uh, I'd say, four years, I've followed uh, a lot of what uh, uh, Burberry um, luxury brand has done both online and in store. Um, they've leveraged uh, some big data RFID tagging of garments in store with you know uh, trying to blend online shopping experience and making that seamless with in store experience. Um, some with uh, uh, some success, some with not so much success. But with a lot of big data driven behind it, and being a you know uh, you know high end you know luxury highly established you know global brand, they've done some really interesting things, and and technologically in such a way that uh, Apple even hired their CEO uh, to run Apple's retail, um, and this really comes down to blending and you know, to a couple of points Kathy made of being able to blend those online experiences and have positive online experiences, but also blend that with that brick-and-mortar experience and in-store experience. And so you've really got to be able to capture um, the emotion of the consumer. And so they do things like, you know, um, encourage people because everyone's all about the Burberry trench coat, for example. So Mm -hmm. you go in, you, you can Instagram and post, you know, your trench, and then it becomes a personal experience. And then, you know, there are a ton of fashion bloggers that will pick up on this. Um, You look at Pinterest and the transformation of Pinterest, and then you have the the retailers that have now, I call it, (laughs) infiltrated uh, Pinterest, that it's now basically become, you know, uh, another marketing, you know, channel for for folks like like Burberry, where you can go and pin something and then drive into you know Burberry Trench, drive that into online experience, go to the store and make that seamless. And you know they tout themselves as being able to know who you are when you walk in, know what you try on, know what you've purchased before, and have mm-hmm. their sales associates within the store really truly get to know their customer, what their preferences are. However. This comes down to having those efficiencies built in, technologies built in in such a way that you've got to have the real business model behind this that's going to drive what I call true revenue results. Uh, a lot of investment, uh, and Sanjeev made a good point, 
earlier of at one point, you know, giving more money to the chief marketing officer at these companies and the CIOs. Um, there's a balance there. And so I, I see some tremendous positive results. I've also seen some tremendous failures of people buying technology, putting them in uh, to their stores just because it sounded like a good idea at the time without a real plan for success and having them fail. But at the end of the day, you've got to have you know, that traditional business model and have a real plan mm-hmm. for success. And to Kathy's point, you see some of these online retailers kind of hit that peak and then fall yep. off because you don't have that true you know, scalable, sustainable plan behind it. Thank you, Dave. Talk about hitting that peak. We're four minutes from the end of the show. We didn't have a chance to get to your notes, but I know you had a chance to talk in depth about what Kathy and Sanjeev brought up. So yeah. thank you, Dave. Sanjeev, we're circling around to you. It's time to look into the crystal ball from the Ops Vita POV and tell me what do you see. Let's look at the year 2020 unless you want to go a little closer. I'd like to keep it at 2020 because I think three years is probably very far out in terms of fashion and technology. So Sanjeev Gupta, I'm going to give you 60 seconds to share your predictions with us. Go. Okay. So it's crystal ball time already. Um, this is hmm. something that I had predicted uh, six years ago when I started the company. And, uh, and now uh, it looks like it has taken some time. As with most predictions, things take time. Um, so my prediction is the consumer is buying, reacting, returning, changing at the click of a button. The enterprise user that serves this consumer must become equally agile and respond at the click of a button. So by 2020, all of us, not just the consumers, but also the enterprise employees, the, the users who are serving that consumer, will all be, be, be running with live data, live intelligence, mm-hmm. the kinds of intelligence that Opsida provides, so that sales are supported by margins and business is sustainable. Uh, in order to serve that consumer, enterprises will have to evolve and that evolution is what I see by 2020. Thank you very much. Kathy Hahn, I have exactly 60 seconds for you. Go. I think the predictions for next year is that the whole personalization piece will come out and be much more important, particularly because right now private label has taken over. There's a lot of new manufacturing. A lot of brands are struggling. And so I think next year, more than ever, it's going to be important to get to the hearts of consumers and get us through the right channels and that's going to play a big part in retail for the next year. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Appreciate it. Dave Catone, I saved 60 seconds for you, and that's all we got. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see. Uh, I, I, I feel that, that um, social listening is going to continue to grow, and I, I would really say that uh, um, more supply chain efficiency, and I am going to also see and I'm, I'm predicting that more what I call uh, easily accessible, uh, almost bespoke products mm-hmm. are going to be, become more rapidly available where I can order a custom shirt in a custom size made the way I want and have it delivered to my home. There you and go. And you see these ads now. That's, That's right. From the market over the next two years. That's right. We're back to make for me a product make size, me. A, me, me, me. a volume oh, size of one. Not a size one, but a, a quantity right. of one. That's so thank you. Supply chain. 
Thank you, everyone. We are out of time. I want to thank Sanjeev Gupta, Kathy Hahn, Dave Katona. Thank you for being such a well-informed, insightful, and lively panel. Kathy, thanks for, I hope you weren't out in the rain the whole time. Thanks for sharing your time with us. I know you're traveling, and welcome to rainy, pluie New York, as my late mother-in-law was used to say. She says, pluing French, you know, pluie Lorraine. I want to thank uh, Christina Sosa for a great panel. Manju, again, for sponsoring the series. They're renewing for next year. Looking forward to more. And Michael, our engineer at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. I don't care if it's a designer seatbelt or not. Just fasten it. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.